Welcome to Kessler Foundation's 2019 Evening of Discovery and Discussion, a panel discussion about our spinal stimulation research. Joining us this evening is panel moderator Steve Adubato, PhD, and distinguished panelist Gail Forrest, PhD, Director of Kessler Foundation Center for Spinal Stimulation, Steve Kirschblum, MD, Kessler Foundation's Chief Medical Officer and Co-Director of the Center for Spinal Stimulation, Guang Yui, PhD, Director of Kessler Foundation Center for Mobility and Rehabilitation Engineering Research, and research participants Natalie Barrett from New Jersey, Jimmy Brown from New York, and Kelly Thomas from Florida. Let's listen in. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Alex Giaquinto, and I am the current chairman of the Kessler Foundation Board of Trustees. On behalf of the board and the CEO, Roger DeRose, I would like to welcome all of you to this year's research evening, an evening which I am confident you will find not only informative, but filled with hope for the future for people with spinal cord injury. It's really great to see so many people at this, at this meeting. Tonight you will hear from our distinguished research scientists about groundbreaking research in the area of spinal cord injury, research that will help people with such traumatic injury to regain function, and in the case of spinal stimulation, achieve what was once thought impossible to walk again. This distinguished panel, with whom you will meet later, will discuss two groundbreaking treatments, transcutaneous and epidural stimulation. This kind of groundbreaking research is, uh, and research excellence does not occur without the continued effort of the dedicated group of researchers at Kessler Foundation. And of course, it can only happen through the generosity and support of donors like you. Your philanthropic support is essential to furthering this type and all other types of research which Kessler Foundation is or may become engaged with. Your support can help bring this treatment to people who need it now. Since I joined the board, I have been actively involved in the research activities of the foundation, especially while chairman of the research committee. All the members of the board of trustees are strong supporters of the mission of the Kessler Foundation, and they do it with both their time, their treasure, and their talent. Philanthropy, although eagerly sought, is gladly given by all board members, and it is one of the reasons I am so very proud to be the chairperson of this August group. My wife Liz and I are and will continue to be passionate supporters of Kessler Foundation. I am hoping that after tonight's program, you also will join us in support of this program and the Kessler Foundation. It is now my great pleasure to introduce Dr. John DeLuca, Senior Vice President for Research and Training at Kessler <coughs> Foundation and Research Professor in the Departments of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation and Neurology at Rutgers New, York, New Jersey Medical School, who will tell you more about tonight's program. John. Thank you, Alex, for the introduction. And good evening, everybody, and welcome. We're here tonight to talk about spinal stimulation and how this groundbreaking treatment holds the promise to transform care and recovery for people with spinal cord injury. So let me start with a few facts. 
So more than five million Americans live with some form of paralysis as a result of stroke or multiple sclerosis or spinal cord injury, for example. And about 300,000 people in the U.S. live with a spinal cord injury. Each year, almost 20,000 people in the U.S. sustain a spinal cord injury. Car accidents and falls account for nearly 70% of those injuries. But listen to this, less than 1% of those who sustain a spinal cord injury experience complete neurological recovery by the time of their hospital discharge, to less than 1%, which means they live with spinal cord injury for the rest of their lives. You see, the idea of recovery from spinal cord injury is a dream that people thought would not come through. But now, <clears throat> breakthroughs in spinal cord stimulation are making the dream of recovery more than just a possibility. Now we can envision a future in which that dream can come true. So with the support of our donors, the Kessler Foundation researchers help people with spinal cord injury re recover function and rebuild their lives. Our researchers seek new technologies, and that's the key, seeking the new technologies to get these technologies into clinical practice. That's what we do. They evaluate the latest technologies and treatments for spinal cord stimulation, for example, or robotics, to maximize the ability to regain the loss function. So we're all looking forward to hearing the details from our expert panel, three researchers and three participants. You'll learn tonight that recovery from spinal cord injury is so <coughs> much more than just walking again. So without further ado, it's my pleasure to introduce our distinguished panel moderator. Dr. Steve Adubadu is a broadcaster, author, and motivational speaker. He's an Emmy Award-winning anchor on our local PBS stations and a syndicated columnist. Steve has appeared on the Today Show, CNN, MSNBC, Fox, AM, 970, Sirius XM, NPR, as a media and political analyst, probably everywhere else as, as well. So please join me in, in uh, welcoming Steve Adubato. Good evening, everyone. <laughs> it is my honor, my pleasure, to be a small part of a big night. You know, it was mentioned before that our crew from public broadcasting is here. And Roger and I have a lot of these offline conversations about what can make a difference? What can we do in the world of public broadcasting at WNET in New York, NJTV in New Jersey, as well as um, WHYY in Philadelphia? We have all these different partnerships to distribute content. And I'll just say this for myself, and I know I represent all of our colleagues in, at PBS. I'm not here to make a speech, I'm here to facilitate a conversation, but I don't know about you, but to me the idea that we will have the discussion tonight about groundbreaking research, about people making a difference in the lives of other people who are brave enough to step up and say, I want to be a research participant. And the researchers who are driving this through the foundation and the Center for Spinal Stimulation. For me as a broadcaster, for me as a human being, for me as someone who just wants to try to be part of a, the solution, I am not interested in the latest poll. I am not interested in the 2020 election and, and who should be impeached and who shouldn't. I am interested 
and a meaningful discussion about things that matter in people's lives that you're not going to find anywhere else. And if it were not for Kessler Foundation, if it were not for this center, if it were not for this discussion, I just interviewed everyone who was here. And I will tell you, when we put on that programming, it's not about us. When we interview the three research participants and they tell their story, and then you meet the three researchers that we had tonight, I will tell you, our audience at PBS is going to be better for it. And that would not happen if it were not for Kessler Foundation. So I'm going to say thank you very much. Thank you, Roger, if you your colleagues. So this is, this is an honor for me. And I want to introduce our colleagues tonight. First, I want to introduce Dr. Guang uh, Yui, who is director, Center for Mobility and Rehabilitation Engineering Research, Kessler Foundation. Put your hands together for Dr. Yui. Earlier, as I said, I had a great conversation on, on camera with Dr. Stephen Kirschblum, who is Kessler Foundation Chief Medical Officer and Co-Director of the Center for Spinal Stimulation. And Kessler, I cannot believe this is all on one business card. And Kessler Institute for Rehabilitation Spinal Cord Injury Program Director and the Senior Medical Officer at Kessler's West Orange Office. Put your hands together for Yay. Dr. Kirschblum. It's my honor now to introduce Dr. Gail Forrest, who's Director of the Center for Spinal Stimulation here at Kessler Foundation. Put your hands up. Yay, yay. This young man I had a chance to meet before. Uh, he's all the way from Staten Island. <laughs> but we welcome him here in New Jersey. He is, his wife is here laughing because she knows the kind of uh, dynamic personality that Jimmy uh, Brown is. In fact, Jimmy was born, not Jimmy, but James, and your son is now the fourth, is that correct? Correct. Is it Jimmy or James Brown the fourth? He's James Brown the fourth. And, but this is Jimmy Brown right here, uh, Kessler Foundation research participant. He actually sustained a very serious spinal cord injury in 2004, and the story he told on camera, the impact that he will make is huge. Please put your hands together for our new friend, Jimmy. It's interesting, we have two other participants in the discussion, both of whom were so powerful in the interviews that we did and have very different stories, but the reasons for being here, the reasons for being research participants, not very different, but they'll share for themselves. First, um, I want you to welcome Ms. Natalie Barrett, Kessler Foundation research participant, sustained a spinal cord injury in 2015. Put your hands together for Natalie Barrett. <laughs> Natalie. Natalie wants everyone to know that uh, her entire family's from Jamaica, but she's the only one born in East Orange, New Jersey. So put your hands together for Ms. Barrett. Now, Kelly Thomas was not born in East Orange, but she was raised on a farm. And I was in Newark, and we didn't have farms growing up. That was a joke. I mean, you get the whole idea. It's called Brick City for a reason. Ms. Kelly Thomas. Um, who joins us. She is a research participant at the Kessler Foundation. In 2014, she sustained a spinal cord injury, uh, went from Florida to Kentucky for this research, and I am so confident um, of what she will share along with her colleagues. So put your hands together for all of our participants tonight. Let me kick this off. Before you see uh, some interesting video that will show our research participants and a little bit of their story. I'm going to ask Dr. Forrest and Dr. Kirschblum 
if you had to describe what spinal stimulation is in layperson's language, I should also disclose I do a fair amount of leadership and communication coaching here at Kessler Foundation with very smart people who scored a lot higher on their SATs than I did. And so one of the challenges, they're so smart, is breaking things down so that some others of us can understand. So if they are not good, don't blame me, it's on them. No, um, so here's what I'm asking for, a lay person's description that we can all take from this as to what spinal stimulation is. Gail, you're up first. Uh, actually, uh, we spoke about this, but um, so spinal stimulation is, the, you're going to hear about two forms today, but it's the, the words, it basically explains what it is, and you're stimulating the spine. Now with Jimmy, you're stimulating the spine. Actually, I shouldn't still hit the thunder, but um, so on, on the skin, transcutaneously, and then you're going to hear about epidural, where the electrodes are implanted into the lower part of the back, and that's um, epidural stimulation. But Try yeah. that again. Epidural is ins inside the skin. Right. Implantation. Right. Implantation. Let me just use the word, the dura, the cord. That's epidural stimulation, and transcutaneous is superficial. But the basic concept is that you are stimulating the spinal, the spine, the spinal cord. You want to jump in, doctor? Yeah, I, I would say that the uh, think of spinal stimulation as uh, a constant jump-starting of a battery that's extremely low in charge and won't function without it. Yes. Yeah. After a spinal cord injury, the spinal cord is damaged, it's weak, it's bruised, and it's not able to carry out its roles. And its roles are very complex, way beyond what people used to think just a few years ago, that all it was was a pathway of transmitting information from the brain to the organs and to the muscles of our arms and legs. What the spinal cord is, is it allows for a relay of information, but it could also modulate or act on its own. So spinal stimulation or neuromodulation. What is key? What was that second? Neuromodulation. Neuromodulation. So think of you remember what I said before about right, neurologically able to modulate activity. Here's the key: that it allows the spinal cord, by giving it some stimulation, right. to act like it's supposed to. Specifically, this, and hopefully that this will get it. the constant charging of the spinal cord revving it up so that it can do the activity, the automatic activities, the carrying out the functions that normally would happen can come back to more like normal before the injury. Jimmy, let me ask you, before we go to this video that shows you and your colleagues before spinal stimulation, are you okay with that description? Yeah. You want to add anything? No. Good. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, as my... Uh, as my old friend Warner Wolf used to say when he had a job, um, he's a great, yeah, you know how it goes, right? What does he say? Let's go to the videotape. This is a videotape of Jimmy, Natalie, and Kelly before spinal stimulation. It speaks for itself. Let's go to it. Kelly, let me start with you. What do you see when you see that video? Think of a lost life. But what you told me when we talked, if I have this wrong, you'll tell me. You asked the doctors, what are the chances that I could walk, possibly? I think you said the doctor made sort of a sound like, and then said maybe one or two percent. Am I correct? 
That's what he and said. And what did you say then, Kelly? I said, okay, I'll be your one or two percent. And I kind of smirked. Yeah. <laughs> one or two percent. <laughs> he didn't know you, did he? He didn't. And so talk about your experience as a research participant and how it has helped you regain some movement in a way and some ability that you did not have before. Talk about it. Uh, well, my neurosurgeon told me I would never walk again, and I thought he was right for a long time because um, I regained the ability to stand, but I wasn't able to walk. Um, and I was, I applied to a research database, and I was accepted as a participant, and I tossed the idea around very thoroughly, uh, talked it through, you know, with my, my family, my doctors, prayed about it a lot, um, and I decided to go through with it, and it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. Because? Because it took what was told that, you know, I, w I would never do, and it made it possible for me, which is not only standing, but walking and doing things independently and working towards a better, a better life. It's not only just the standing or walking, it's, it's done a lot more for me than just that. Natalie, for you, <clears throat> describe for folks your injury first. Um, uh, four years ago, March, I was hit by a car. I was driving. I was hit from behind and the airbag broke my neck. So um, my level of injury is C6, C7, and um, they fused it back together. And um, when I finally recovered, I was not able to move anything beyond my waist. Uh, I wasn't told that I wouldn't be able to. I was told that I was incomplete, um, which the word itself, incomplete. So I, I worked hard and I um, prayed a lot and finally with the therapy, uh, the outpatient therapy, I got, was, was met with Dr. Gale, uh, one of the therapists, Buffy, said that I would be a great candidate for the study that was going on with the exoskeleton and um, Dr. Gale took me under her wing, and I have been up and about uh, with the exoskeleton. I'm using a walker now. I'm, I'm moving around a lot more, and again, it's more than just the walking. It, there's, when you look at people in a wheelchair, the first thing you say are, oh, she can't walk. It's way more than that. I can walk, slowly but surely, but again, um, the exoskeleton helps with a lot of other issues, bowel, bladder, which was very, very important, the main issue for me. So um, I'm, I'm happy, and I'm just going to keep going. Gail, jump in. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're um, emotional stories, and um, if I, uh, Kelly, I've not, I've known Jimmy now for a long time, um, and 
and I've known Kelly actually um, uh, for a while. I saw Kelly, I think I saw Kelly just post implant. Um, and so I've seen her transition, which has been truly amazing to where she is today um, from the very get-go. Um, and then Natalie, I, as you can hear, Natalie I've known, she has been involved in several of our research studies. I think the stimulation and, and what she is doing now with her life. So what we're talking about here is an intervention, but we're really talking about a life change. So it's not something, you know, we do research and we have a post and then we have a three-month follow-up. But this isn't what we're talking about. We're talking about life-changing quality events for, these indivi for individuals that are doing this. And at the moment, it's research. But as when you get to um, hear them, it's pretty, it's, you know, we use the term groundbreaking. I think I've heard it four times. It is groundbreaking, you know, for the response and the changes. You told us this in, in the interview I did with you. I've known you long enough to know this, but it's more important you share with everyone. Why is this so, why is this research? Why is the work that you do so personal? Me? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've been doing, my the type of research we do, um, I have been doing it a long time now, and most of the interventions I do are long-time interventions. I think Natalie's been with us in this, with the stimulation for over 12 months, but most of them are six to eight months long. So you get to know these individuals. So you know, to be a researcher is to be very objective and to really look at the results. But you get to also know individuals how an injury can affect their lives. And so it is, you know, the therapists, the engineers. And I should note that we're part of a team, so it's therapists, engineers, research technicians, all of them get involved with these individuals. And so it becomes personal. They become very friendly and, and they are part of what we, you know, day to day. They come three, four, five times a week. Um, so it becomes very personal. Jimmy, uh, share for folks just a little bit about <clears throat> the injury that you sustained. Um, next month will be 15 years. I, um, I was down at Jersey Shore and <coughs> was a hot summer day and uh, my parents had just bought a shore house down in Long Beach Island and uh, was right on the water and on the bay side the water, well the friendly water of New Jersey isn't so clean and uh, it was a little dark at the bottom so I didn't know how deep the water was but it was a hot day and uh, threw my bathing suit on and dove off the dock and the water was two, three feet tops and I, I broke my neck. Um, I was laying there, face down. I think uh, the people that were watching me thought I was fooling around, but uh, my dad jumped in and flipped me over. Said, I can't feel anything. Can't move from the neck down. So I guess in that three minutes, four minutes, he saved my life just flipping me over so I could breathe. Swallowed some water. Um, collapsed lung. Was in the hospital for 10 days. Spent uh, just over two months at Kessler, and um, here I am. Yeah. Fifteen years. Been married for eight, two kids. I've moved on, but these studies are very inspirational. They, uh, they lead you with a lot of hope, but uh, in 15 years, it's come a very long way.
describe for folks, and you're going to, each one of our research participants will actually, a demonstration is not the right way to say it. They will do whatever they choose to do and can do. But you told me something that, um, that really sticks in my mind. I, I know you're going to try to demonstrate something with a glass of water, but there's something else you told me. Um, you have a son and a daughter? Yeah. How old? My daughter will be six years old this month, and my son will be three in August. Five and two. What did you tell me about um, Was it your son or your daughter who threw you the ball? My son. Um, you know, doing this study here, I have no hand function at all. Um, I can't move my hands at all. Sometimes uh, you may think I can, but I can't. And, uh, you know, when he throws you that ball and you're able to get a little grip on it and throw it back to him, it's, you, you can't describe it. Thing. How much of that, from your perspective, Jimmy, is a product of being a participant in this research? A lot. 5% um, to the average person is, is nothing. Um, but to me, it's, it's like 150%. 5% improvement of anything, uh, especially hand function. Um, it's it's life-changing. It's Tremendous, you know, not being able to grip that ball to throw it back to him versus having a little bit of grip to throw it back to him is, you know, to watch that smile on his face like dad's not different, it's a big deal. I know we're here to talk about research, science, innovation, but I met your wife a little bit earlier. Um, the impact that this has had on your ability to be with your family in the way you want to be with your family as best you can, given the challenges that you face. You know, my wife met me 11 years ago, and she never saw me different. Um, but my kids, when there's improvements, I know it. They may not. But to see that smile on his face when I throw that ball back to him, it's, what could you say? I mean, there's no words that could describe that. There's not a price tag you could put on it. It's amazing. Can we do this, Jimmy? Um, I know we're talking about throwing a ball right now. I'm going to ask you to do something. By the way, um, I want to make it clear that I mentioned the Kessler podcast before. And so one of the reasons you're going to hear me narrating some of the things going on is because in a podcast, you can't see what is happening. And so I'm going to ask Jimmy. Uh, <clears throat> Jimmy Brown to, in fact, demonstrate and tell folks what you're going to be doing, Jimmy, and why it's so significant. Um, <clears throat> right now, I'm going to just try to show you, hopefully it works out, but that I could lift this up and, and pour the water into a cup. Um, I think you saw on that video, which I didn't know that was going to be reflected now, but I, I, I couldn't pick up a bottle of looked like alcohol. Could not? Uh, no, I, I couldn't move it at all. And when was that? That was in Ju uh, July of last year. But I, I, I should note that was July of last year. But you know, the amount of sessions he's done now is what? Twelve. Twelve, 12 sessions. So, I mean, the 
the, the, the gain is very dramatic. Jimmy? Dr. Yui, what do you see when you? It's it's amazing. Um, so for you know, for a person who, you know, at the beginning could not even, um, you know, move the glass, now can, you know, raise it and pour the water uh, precisely to another container. Very that's, precise. Yeah, that's an amazing multitask to accomplish for a person with spinal cord injury. Doctor, let me ask you, beyond what we've heard so far, we clearly have a long way to go, but why are you so hopeful about the future research that is taking place here at the foundation? Yes, please. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so even though you know, we, we all saw that um, Jim could do this um, wonderful multitask, but we still you know, don't know much about you know, how this works. And we still um, hope that he can do a lot more. So the way to accomplish this is to continue to perform our research, and especially to figure out exactly what com uh, kind of combination of the uh, stimulation parameters, for example, where to st stimulate, uh, what kind of a, what level of uh, intensity to use. Uh, what frequency and what type of uh, uh, stimulation pulse uh, uh, to create and to use. And until we figure out all the, com you know, this kind of com combinations, the uh, outcome may be much uh, better than what he can do now. Dr. Kirschman, you want to jump in? Sure. Uh, I've been privileged to take care of people with spinal cord injury now for 29 years here at Kessler. And I think that sometimes when we see what's happening here, we're amazed by unbelievable amount of movement. And we sometimes think that uh, for people with spinal cord injury, it's movement alone. And movement is really key. And every little bit of function makes a tremendous difference in terms of independence. But I want to make an important point. If you speak to people that have had spinal cord injury, they'll tell you that there's more than movement than they want. Say that again, there's more? There's more than just movement. There's more than just being able to move their arms or move their legs or be able to walk. They want to regain bowel, yeah. bladder, sexuality. They want to maintain their blood pressure so that their the thoughts aren't so cloudy. These are sometimes what we call the hidden or invisible disabilities for people with spinal cord injury. We see the lack of movement, but it's also some of these other activities. It's the dizziness, the blacking out, the loss of concentration or cognitive function. It's the fatigue. As someone once described it to me, it's feeling like every day you wake up with the flu without the sneezing and coughing because you just feel so overwhelmed. <clears throat> and what we found is, is that in, in other studies, right now with today, we're concentrating on some of these activities, the movements. But it's also some of these autonomic disturbances, 
that are really being helped as well. And Natalie talked about it before, the bowel and the bladder. And I think that's what makes this so exciting. Because we see so quickly, 12 sessions, the amount of improvement that Jimmy has. But Gail and I have also seen, and Dr. Yu, we see some patients who soon after already are starting to feel better. And what we have to do is we need to figure out how this works so that we can not only just use it a little bit, but try to perfect it as much as possible. And I don't want to turn this in, it's not my job to do this, but because Roger will talk to you later. None of that happens, none of that research happens without a significant amount of money, resources, a commitment with dollars, and not to mention all the other expertise. Gail, you want to jump in? Because I'm going to go to Kelly, who's actually going to yeah, um, help us share as well. So I think both Guan and Dr. Cushman both mentioned really key elements. This isn't just, okay, let's, let's put a couple of electrodes on the back of the spine and let's just zap and, and, fit and, that, and we get it. It isn't. There is real, the research is to find exactly where to place these electrodes. And it is so early in the piece that that's where we come in. That's where the research is. That's where our technology and our expertise comes in. We have the clinical arm as well. And as Dr. Kirschbaum said, it's all of these other things that individuals with an injury have, have to deal with daily. Temperature, they are always cold, yet with stimulation, that changes. Blood pressure, bowel bladder, and at the nuances that you may be able to address those without influencing motor. So now you're thinking about teething out neural networks within the system. That's where we come in to figure that out. There's, that's the science that we're dealing with here. Not, not only the clinical, right. but the understanding how you get there. By the way, I want to make clear, Janelle, you are a, you're a professional physical therapist. physical therapist, and you've worked with Jimmy? Yes. How hard does he work? He gives that 110% every time. Yeah, by the way, um, let's give a hand to all the physical therapists who are there every day. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, Kelly. Um, just to help us understand something again, we saw a little bit on video. You're an athlete at the core. Yes. Uh, and a great person um, who cares deeply about others, which also comes across very quickly. What, what are you, I hate to say, what are you going to do? Talk to us about what's Thank about you. to happen. Um, well, Spill. first, I just, I do care a lot about people, but what Jimmy just did, can we please again? That's that's fantastic. That's amazing. That's I've I've never seen anything like that. That's thank you. That's it, awesome. Is that motivating to you? For yes, you? absolutely. I have my hands, and if I didn't, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm about to show you guys, which you asked. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I was told that I would never do again. Which is never, you'll never do this again. Well, one or two percent, okay. <laughs> which I mean, if you tell most people one or two percent chance of anything, I mean, if I told you you have a one or two percent chance of getting home tonight, would you leave? <laughs> no, nobody. I, I wouldn't either. I, you know, so and that's that's the sad, sad reality is most doctors tell us that we're never going to. We're never going to walk again. We're never going to stand again. Get used to your wheelchair because that's your life from now on. And a lot of people just take that reality, and that's, that's not fair. So I'm very, very passionate about everything that's going on tonight with the spinal stimulation, whether it's 
transcutaneous or epidural, which my implant is epidural, which means it's inside, so it's in my spine. I'm going to turn it on. And I'm going to try to stand up and I'm going to try to walk. Maybe. Thank you. I've been sitting all day, so bear with me. <laughs> I kind of basically told my neurosurgeon that I would walk again. And um, I had a point to prove. I was implanted um, in September of 2017, and now I walk every day. Like I said, bear with me. I've been sitting all day. Take your time. I'm um, good girl, Kelly. A C7, T1. Yes. Good girl, Kelly. Woo. Kelly, is this uh, the furthest you have walked this distance? Today, yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I um, like I said, I was implanted in September of 2017, and. I took my first independent steps in February of 2018. It took months and months of a lot of really hard work. Dale, the statement is done, right? I still get really nervous. People tell me all the time, it's just walking. <laughs> so I walk every day now. And it's fantastic to be able to stand up on my feet and look people in the eye. What does that do for you, Kelly, when you're able to look people right in the eye? What does that do for you? It makes me feel normal. It makes me feel like I'm important again. Hmm. Because I was 19 years old. And I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't live like that for the rest of my life. Sorry. It's okay. It's just, it doesn't just affect me, it affects our whole families. Your family has been very supportive? Very. Yeah. They believe in me when I don't. Really? Yeah. Well, we all believe in you now. <laughs> okay. Turning around, difficult. Not difficult. You're beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I got a joke for that. Go ahead. What would it be, <laughs> Kelly? A lot of times when I'm rolling around in my chair, people say, oh, 
You're too pretty to be in that thing. <laughs> well, I heard a comedian one time, and he said the same thing. He said someone said to him, well, you're too handsome to be in that wheelchair. He said, so I thought about it for a minute, and I said, well, you're too ugly to be walking. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> Kelly, where can we catch your stand-up uh, this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> well, you can catch my stand-up or sit-down comedy. Okay. Anywhere you'd like. <laughs> I'll right into that. <laughs> you want to settle over? I'll sit down now and tell okay. a joke. Okay. <laughs> All yours. Let's hear it one more time for Kelly. And uh, Natalie, um, it was 2015 that you had your spinal cord injury, right? Yes. Erica will be with you. Where's Erica? Erica, come on over here. Thank you, ma'am. Talk to us. Yeah, we're, no, we're ready. We're, we're just uh, watching and being, frankly, blown away. Well, Kelly was good with the talking and walking at the same time. I won't be. <laughs> I'm just going to do the walking and let Erica do the talking. I'm not talking. Oh, well. Erica, talk to us a little bit. A little bit. You got to. Talk to us a little bit about um, the kind of work that Natalie has been doing to, get e to even be in a position to be doing this right now. Describe it. Early on, she was in a study. Early on, she was in a study where they were um, applying possibly a drug or a placebo, and she was getting locomotor training, and that's how she got introduced that into was, our research. That was good. And, pardon? Good. And then she, um, after that study, signed up to be in the exoskeleton study, and then that progressed into walking with the exoskeleton in addition to doing the transcutaneous spinal stem. She has both. Uh, both now, yes. So we've been doing the exoskeleton. She's done that for a while. Okay. And she pretty much had kind of plateaued. And then we started adding in the stem, and all of a sudden she just had much better control. And as far as walking outside, she could walk with a walker outside, but she used to put all of her weight down through the walker, and she'd get that leg to come through, and a lot of times it would scissor over, and she couldn't get it to uncross again because the harder she tried, the harder it would go sideways. Right after we started doing the stem with her, it would start to go over, and she's like, no, get out there. And then she'd be able to plant it where she wanted it. Then she'd shift her weight onto it, and the next one it would try to cross over, and she was able to pull it back out again. And as time went on, she started being able to get it out there in the correct place right off. And then... We, you know, she's done with the study now. She recently went back to work full-time. Oh, you're working full-time? Nice. That by itself. What kind of work do you do now? I am head of customer service from my pool company that I've been with over 16 years, and I'm now managing our new pool store in Kenilworth. Any pool owners? So hold on, Natalie, let me get this straight. You've worked so hard to be where you are. Now you got to hear people complain about their pool? Yes, every day. <laughs> yes. How, what kind of, kind of level, what kind of patience do you have for that? 
Okay, I'll leave it alone. I'll leave it alone. Um, so, so then she completed the study, and we had her in a few more times just to try different things, and it actually, she still had the skill. The stim wasn't on anymore, and she still had the skill. And now we haven't walked in, when was the last time we walked together, Nat? A couple months? Wow, it's been a couple of months since couple she walked? Months. And she hasn't even walked with a cane. She's been walking on her own with the walker, but still using the techniques and everything that we had learned and practiced with the STEM. Today we got up with the canes. She still has it. She still has it. She didn't lose it. Let's, let's try this. Now so, that you've told them all that. <laughs> so right now, right now we have the stimulation on on her lower uh, neck. Pressure, pressure, And then pressure. she squats I heard you mouth the word amazing. What are you thinking? This is probably one of the most um, transformative moments for spinal cord injury research. Being in a chair for 37 years, it's gone from the graveyard of neuro research to realistic expectations and outcomes like these. And this field of research is probably the most promising field of research and neural research to this day. Groundbreaking, not too strong a word. Not at all. Yo, please, just um, talk to us while Natalie's walking. I'll talk to you while Natalie's walking. So I haven't seen Natalie for a while. Um, How long? Well, Erica's timeline is accurate. So we tested her. You'll, you'll note she's walking with a cane. And so you'd say, OK, why make her walk with the cane? Why just make her walk with a walker? Because one of the things we know when we walk with a walker, it shuts down or it, it loses the way she walk changes. And she actually isn't, we push the envelope. So what Henry said about what we're doing, everything we're doing is pushing the envelope. So it's harder for her. But her ability to be able to walk with those canes, she could not have done that 12 months ago. And the fact that, the fact that she is now being out, um, she is now functioning. She works from Tuesday through Saturday, I think Natalie told me this morning. Just, uh, sorry, just before. You know, we haven't seen her for a while, and so she's maintained it. And Jim said to me just before, he said, you know, I turn it on and it gets easier. It seems to get easier. And I, is, is, that, is that supposed to happen like that? And so these, this neuromodulation that Dr. Cushman is talking about and um, what Natalie is doing, 
we're finding all the time, we're stretching the envelope to understand this mechanism even more. And Henry, yeah, it truly is, um, in a, it's, it's groundbreaking because of the mechanisms that we're trying to understand and push the envelope further. Natalie, I know you said you did not want to do what was done before, but is there anything that you want to share with everyone right now as you are Well, walking? it's not easy. Um, <laughs> um, but again, I'm, I've come so much further than I was. So I'm very happy and I'm blessed. And I know that it, if it wasn't for Kessler and the robot and Dr. Gale and Roger and Erica and Janelle and Issa and all the Johns, I can't name all of you. <laughs> um, a, B and everyone else and Fan and Money and just anyone that I'm oh, forgetting. I love you guys and I know that I wouldn't be this as far as I am without you. So thank you. I just want to get back to this chair <laughs> safely. If I can ask, um, I got it. Jimmy, got any thoughts? Well, I'm a little embarrassed that I was nervous to pick up a glass, <laughs> <laughs> and these girls just walked down a runway. <laughs> Thank God I went first. Um, Apparently, this is Staten Island humor. <laughs> um, I, I didn't plan that. I'm serious. I mean, I was really nervous to pick up a glass. I thought I would drop it, and they just walked down a runway. And it goes to show you that we're all in the same boat, but even something as little as pouring a glass, the impact that it has on my life, I might not be able to walk down the runway yet, because maybe I'll get in that 2%. But it just goes to show you, I wasn't much of a wow factor, but these girls were wow factors tonight, but it impacts our lives on a percentage that's probably the same. You know, this was not a wow moment that I poured water in a glass, but... Yes, it was a wow yes, moment. it was. I didn't want to follow you. I was... But what you guys did was, was a lot more wow factor, and I didn't know that I would do the wow, but for me in my uh. life... When we disperse tonight, this is, this is a wow moment for me. What will it do um, for you, John? I'm sorry for trouble. What, what could it do for you? If it continues on this path, it's, it's, it's endless. I mean, I'm happy just throwing a baseball around with my son in a living room. I mean, who, you know, who knows? Maybe I could get on the field and actually throw a baseball and put a mitt on. I mean, you never know. I mean, it's endless. I mean, it really Slow is. Slow and controlled. Bend. I mean, I got nothing. Don't expect a bright or insightful question from me. I'm just, I'm at a loss. You, you experience, the three of you and your other colleagues, excuse me, who are researchers, experience this in a very different way, I've got to imagine, than those of us who, uh, I'm one of those PhDs in my family that people say, Dad, you're not a real doctor. You can't help anybody. Um, 
when you're a PhD in communication. But I've got to imagine that you experience it and see it differently. What do you see? Uh, I see amazing things because as I roll through all the people that I've met, and I don't want to just say patients, but the people, the individuals, their families, their friends, and the people that the spinal cord injury impacts, uh, there is now something that we're looking at that has great hope. And this great hope, it's hard to give the percentage for, but every little bit makes a difference. And, and the thing that I'm thrilled about, it's a wow moment to, to see everybody get better, but it's every day I go to work, it's a wow moment for me as well right. to think that we here at Kessler are playing a part and want to play a bigger part in making a difference in all the people's lives that we can. Now we're going to be hearing from, uh, well said. Excuse me, Natalie. We're going to hear from Roger in just a bit, but um, we, Allison, is there a microphone somewhere? Is there a microphone? Um, could you bring it over here? Um, since Phil Donahue is not working anymore, I will run around this audience. So questions, comments, reaction. You've, listen, I'm told that this is one of Roger, one of the largest crowds we've ever had at the foundation. By the way, why do you think that is? I, I think that what we've seen here tonight, I, I believe, Steve, is so demonstrable. You know, you've hosted the work, the great work that we've done in stroke rehabilitation and MS and robotics. And, um, and tonight, um, while all of those move the needle in terms of care that has remarkable interventions, tonight we hear from individuals that have said they would never walk again. Or Jimmy, who, uh, you know, demonstrated that he could pick up a glass. And so and throw a ball and catch it. Exactly. So I think it's a, it's a demonstration of what the future holds. And it's just so, the tip of the iceberg, Steve. Absolutely. Hands up. Somebody's got a question, reaction. Yes, young lady right here. Hey, how you doing, neighbor? <laughs> My question is, so we're hearing um, doctors saying, well, only 1%, 2% will ever walk again or will ever have any you know, movement or whatever. So with this type of research, as it goes on, are those percentages, I mean, Great going to go change? I mean, is it now going to be with a spinal cord injury, you know, 20%? Oh, you may be one of the, you know, one, you know, one in 10 or two in 10 that will be able to walk. And where are we really looking for this to go? So as we make more progress, do the numbers change? Gail, why are you looking at your colleague? <laughs> what do you, by the way, what do you think, Gail? Do you think the numbers would change? I hate to say the, the odds. That's a terrible way of looking at it. But you were told 1% to 2%. That was said to you. Well, neurosurgeons are taught to just do neurosurgery. They're not, they're not taught the rehab world. They don't know what goes on outside of, a, outside of an operating room. So for me, the odds, I mean, those surgeons, they're not really into this, the robotics. And I mean, when I told my surgeon what I was doing, he was like, huh, where, what? He had no idea. Gail, you think the percent, the uh, odds will change? So, um, I'm, I'm gonna be highly conservative and say, we don't really know what the future is, but I have to say for the individuals that have been implanted and the, these have been reported, 
voluntary function. And that's what we're talking about here. We're not talking about the stimulation causing the function. We're talking about the individuals now can voluntarily start to do. For example, Jimmy has, with Jimmy, they've toned down the stimulation parameters because he had, because it was interfering. Similarly with the epidural, you tone down the stimulation parameters because it's interfering. So what you're doing mechanistically, where sort of, that's where the research comes in, but we're increasing voluntary functions. So of the people that have been pl implanted that are published, they've gained voluntary function of, of you know, Dr. Susan Harkmerch, they've gained voluntary function. So that, that success rate is, is pretty significant. However, please note, it's with the stimulator on, not with the stimulator off at this point. So there's a lot of research. Mm. But again, we, you heard Natalie say that she has actually maintained it. So it's very early. We don't understand that. And that is where the research comes in. Another question, I saw some hands up. Yes. Well, I'd like to add to that. Um, Carol, go ahead. Why don't you take that microphone? OK. I'd like to add to that um, in the sense that, yes, I actually uh, injured myself. I didn't injure myself. I was in a motor vehicle accident, um, ready to almost retire. And as you know, you just never know. You know, my life as a retired person was not expected to be sitting in a wheelchair. However, I ended up at Kessler with a incomplete injury. And one of the first days I was there, I had a very extremely supportive family. I was one of the lucky ones. Some people don't have that. Mm -hmm. um, my son walks in with a big calendar. And he says to me, OK, every day when you go into therapy, I want you, or at the end of the day, I want you to write something on the calendar for today mm. that inspired you or made you want to go for it. And one of the first days in there, and the first day with my calendar, I encountered meeting Natalie. <laughs> and Natalie being a go-getter. That Natalie up there? That Natalie up there. And that, orange. that Natalie up there, her inspiration to move on. And that's what I think people being able to move on and seeing others making achievements. It's work. You saw it. Natalie just didn't pop out of that chair and run down the runway. Mm. Uh, but she's still working at it, as we all want to. But if they don't see that there's progress and there's no hope, people can give up hope a lot easier than they can move forward and achieve it. So my first day on the calendar, my word was Natalie. That's the honest to God's truth. Carol, before I let you give up that microphone, how inspired are you tonight? Because you've Extremely. I'm so happy to have been invited here because every time those of us that are in the chair can all relate that we all, regardless, we can't change our emotions and every once in a while we definitely get our down and we try to bounce back and pull ourselves forward and by coming and seeing other people that are making progress 
or working at it and people that are so dedicated. I wish I could win a lottery and turn the money over so that we could, we could give it to research. But You mean at Kessler Foundation? At Kessler Foundation, Just of course. Just sure, not anywhere else. At Kessler. Okay. But you know what? Nobody knows what you go through till you're in the shoes. Uh, you know, and I can understand the three representatives up there. Um, I'm sure they can relate to me. It's, it's good to have peer involvement. And like I said, there's nothing more than seeing others making progress that makes you want to strive. We wish you all the best. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Well said. Yes, sir. Hi, I'm Ronnie Slevin. I've been to these programs before. Tonight was beyond amazing. And I think it was in the movie Forrest Gump where either Gary Sinise or Tom Hanks said, we're going to need a bigger boat. Well, you keep, put, you keep putting programs on like this, you're going to need a bigger room. What inspires you the most tonight? <sighs> Strength. Strength. And perseverance. Amen. The research is... Incredible, isn't it? Beyond. Thank you very much. Anyone else? Everyone, anyone else want to give testimony? <laughs> yes. Hi. My wife uh, was at Kessler twice in the last two and a half years. And not to take any of the thunder away from the moderators or the people that have suffered these terrible injuries. But Kessler is an amazing foundation, an amazing building in West Orange where the staff worries about each individual. My wife came back perfectly. She suffered a very odd illness called Guillain-Barre syndrome, which the neurologist still can't totally focus on. But I'm so proud to see the support that this community has striven to support this wonderful, wonderful Kessler group. What's your wife's name? Amy. Halper. Amy. Now, Amy, can I just do this? What's your first name again? Jeff. Amy, could you take the microphone? Amy, Jeff has just said that you came back perfect. <laughs> she can, hold on, I just want to clarify. Your husband, perfect? He is? Yes, yes, he is. Absolutely perfect. Perfect. Just want to clarify that because I'm okay. going to ask my wife when I get home tonight. I'm sure I'm not going to get the same answer. You know, we've, we've heard a lot tonight. Um, final comments before Roger comes up and closes the evening. Anyone of you want to say anything? Kelly, final thoughts? Thank you all for being here and supporting us regardless. Natalie. Donate more money, please. <laughs> You're not going to say show me the money, are you? Show us the money. <laughs> Jimmy. Thank you for coming out. Um, you know, seeing the looks on everybody's faces from what we've done, it's, it's inspirational. It makes you want to get back in the gym in the morning and do more. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank yes. you. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Let's hear for our three research participants. Such a powerful, important message. Not just in what they said, but what they did. Uh, doctors, you want to share anything before we wrap up? So there was one question that was really fantastic, which is about prognosis. And I want to tell you a very quick story. A number of years ago, a family of a 15-year-old said, I want to know the prognosis for my son to be able to walk again. 
And I don't like to give numbers. The chances were very low. And she was very upset, the mom. She came back the next day with a series of articles saying, why can't you tell me? Look at all these articles that are published. It gives numbers. Why can't you explain them to me? And then she said, wait a second. You wrote all those articles. <laughs> <laughs> the point I want to make is, is that the percentages of recover, spontaneous recovery from neurologic injury is no different today than it was 10 years ago, or 15 years ago, or 30 years ago. But the interventions we are now finding will change that needle. And that is really the key. Yeah, and also, I, I, yeah, uh, I would like to echo uh, Dr. Kirschblum's comment. And um, so percentage actually represent the past statistics uh, based on the uh, uh, particular condition of the patient. Um, if our research is successful, we can significantly improve the percentage. The research, what we try to do is to figure out how the treatment can repair or help regrowth the injured tissues of you know, fibers in the spinal cord. Once we find the best um, way to do that, and the percentage will improve dramatically. So the key is to continue the research, and we need the, you know, the support to, 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 you know, to move the research forward. Dr. Forrest. Yeah, so um, both Dr. Cushman and Guan make really, really, really good points. I think, you know, moving what we've been doing, this part of what we've been doing, we've been doing a very short time. Um, and certainly Dr. Cushman and I have been involved with stimulation, spinal stimulation for a while. And so where it's going is determined by how much work we put into it and how much effort we put into it. And for that to occur, we have to understand it more. And at the moment, the stimulators aren't, they can be improved, the technology can be improved. The way we're analysing this, what we're doing, all of this can be improved. The man hours to do that takes a lot of man hours. And the um, computational element of this. So all of this drives the future of what we're doing. So without doubt, we have a lot of work to do. But all of that requires a lot of work. You know, it's really hard. That's how all of yeah. it's here for our research. Uh, before I bring Roger up, let me just repeat something I said before, which is even more clear to me now after this conversation. Um, when you moderate a fair number of forums, panel discussions, conferences, whatever, um, you do the best you can to engage people. You do the best you can to help create an environment for the most stimulating, important, relevant conversation. I didn't have to do that tonight the people who are here tonight, the participants, the researchers, people who spoke from the heart about things that matter most to them and to the people in this room made my job every, very easy. And to all of you, I thank you for being part of a very special night. 
So please join me in welcoming the President and Chief Executive Officer of Kelsey Foundation, Roger DeRose. Hey, Roger. Hi. <clears throat> Thank you, Steve. Thank you for um, bringing out a great conversation again, as you always do. And we're looking forward to seeing the um, TV interviews that you did later this summer and into the fall. So thank you very much. And uh, Natalie, Kelly, and Jim, thank you for being here tonight and demonstrating uh, such groundbreaking work, the work that's been used over and over tonight. And Dr. Yui and Kirsch Bloom and Dr. Forrest, thank you for your leadership tonight as well. Ladies and gentlemen, we, uh, I'm not going to take up a lot of your time because I, I know it's warm in here, but I do want to kind of summarize what I think we heard tonight. And um, let, let me start by saying we are so lucky to have the hard and smart working scientists that we have on our staff here at Kessler Foundation. And you only saw a portion of it tonight, individuals that are working on this specific area. But we also have scientists that are working in brain injury and stroke rehabilitation research, multiple sclerosis. We're working in other neuromuscular conditions. And we're also working in employment research, which addresses the very stubborn issue of people with disabilities going back into the workforce. And we are even a grant maker in that area as well. We are also so fortunate to have a board of trustees that believed in us as a management committee when we came to them in March of 2018 and asked them to support this major initiative to build a new building, to install it with the latest technology, to hire additional staff. And uh, without that, we would not be here tonight. Um, that is going to be the second major center for spinal stimulation in the country that is really dedicated to this initiative. And that will be on the hospital campus in West Orange at the Kessler Hospital. And the zip code there is 07052. And I mention that because patients from around the country are going to want to participate in this research. So um, I have to tell you that I think what we saw here tonight is disruptive technology. It's an intervention that is going to be the standard of care in the future for spinal cord injured patients. And you know, we live with disruptive technology every day in our lives. You just think about what the Apple's iPod did with how we carry music today, the smartphone, and the computing power that it has from more so than the computers, the desktops that we had in the 90s. What Airbnb has done to the hotel industry, putting a dent in the hotel industry and making world travel much easier and more affordable. What Google Maps and what uh, Waze have done. None of you carry maps anymore in your car, I would imagine. What, uh, block, what, uh, what, what happened with, um, with Netflix when they uh, came out with uh, the very boring concept of mailing DVDs uh, and then started streaming movies and put Blockbuster out of business. And the one that, for me, that takes the cake in terms of disruptive technology is Amazon in terms of what they have done to disrupt the retail industry and put companies like Sears and JCPenney and Kmart into a death spiral. And some of you may not know this, but Jeff Bezos, when he was thinking of naming his company, he was going to call it Cadabra, as in Abracadabra. But too many people mispronounced Cadabra for Cadaver, <laughs> and so luckily he changed it. You can imagine going to a party and saying that you are you own 10 shares of cadaver stock, right? <laughs> and by the way, um, 
for any of you that might know um, Mackenzie Bezos, who just filed and won a $36 billion lawsuit from Jeff Bezos, uh, she's going to give half of that away to charity. And if you do know her, if you could introduce her, <laughs> to her we would greatly, greatly appreciate it. So I think tonight what we saw is we saw our scientists demonstrate through the participants here tonight that through brain intention, that below the level of injury in the spinal cord column, that we can find a pathway that makes a reconnection. And that is, I think, where the groundbreaking uh, aspect of this intervention takes place. Now, we were one of the early uh, uh, investors or funders, if you will, in the epidural stimulation project with, along with the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation, who have gotten much of this work off the ground at Louisville. And so we have been working so closely with the University of Louisville over the last 10 years. And you know, everything has to start somewhere. The animal models for this research started decades ago. In humans, it started about a decade ago. And so we're at the early cusp. And so one of the questions that we have to ask ourselves tonight is what, what happens when there's a convergence of technology and medical applications that give us an even more elegant solution than what we saw here tonight? What happens when regenerative medicine and spinal and stem cell actually start to reduce the scar tissue after surgery for a spinal cord injury patient? Does it actually improve the pathway and the connectors between brain and tension and with the stimulator on making that connection? What happens through exponential learning and quantum computing and artificial intelligence in terms of our learning ability to really accelerate our learning uh, understanding of this intervention that we're talking about here tonight? And I would ask you just to think about the Human Genome Project, which started in 1990. And by 1997, it was only 1% complete. And yet, after that, Every year thereafter, they were doubling their knowledge. So it went from 1 to 2%, 2 to 4, 4 to 8, 8 to 16, to 32, to 64. And by 2003, they had completed the Human Genome Project. And that's what we're talking about here tonight. We're in the early stages. But this is what can happen with all of those things that I just talked about in an exponential learning environment. So if you were taken, if you were impressed by Natalie, Kelly, and Jimmy, in terms of the work that they, they demonstrated to you tonight and their abilities tonight, I would ask you, along with Mackenzie Bezos, to consider a gift to the Kessler Foundation. And the reason I tell you that is this, is that for every dollar that you give to Kessler Foundation, the scientists on the stage have this ability to multiply that. Because what happens is they take your investment and they collect pilot data so that they can then apply for grant activity with the New Jersey Commission on Spinal Cord Injury, with the NIH, with the Department of Defense, and they have a multiplying factor of 15 for every dollar that you give, 20 for every dollar that you give, 25 for every dollar that you give. It's really remarkable in terms of the success rate. Under the leadership of Dr. John DeLuca, our researchers win 35% of the grants that they submit. Compare that to the leading 
universities across the country, which is in the 10 to 12% range. So I would just kindly ask you to give consideration to that. And uh, if you uh, are impressed with the work that we're doing, remember the zip code I told you about, 07052, because that will be the location right in your own backyard that is going to be a world leader in this area of epidural and transcutaneous stimulation that may lead to other great things. And it won't stop in just spinal cord injury because you've heard the millions of people that have paralysis in the country just here in the United States. And this application has the potential for stroke, for other mobility-related issues like TBI, multiple sclerosis, and others as well. So please give consideration. And uh, again, we thank you for coming out and spending your Monday evening with us. Thank you so much. For more information about Kessler Foundation and our researchers, go to KesslerFoundation.org. That's K-E-S-S-L-E-R-F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N.org. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, listen to us on SoundCloud, and tweet with us on Twitter. 